Okay, so we're up to Pe'alu from at base, five lines from the bottom, just to review. The case was where you had a brother who was going to do Yibam. The younger brother wanted to give the woman a get to prevent the older brother um, from doing Yibam. So the Gemara says, <clears throat> the Gemara says uh, that the older brother said to the younger brother, let me do Yibam, and I'll split the Nechassim with you. I'll split the Yerusha. So Rav Yosef said it doesn't work. Why? Because when the Mishnah said that the Yavam that the Yavam cannot sell the brother's estate because there's a Megalene on the property, it, if he tries, it's not effective. Abaya disagreed. Abaya said, no, if you sold it, it works. You're not supposed to, but if you sold it, it works. So the Gemara says that they asked Rav Yosef for a Makar, that there's a lien on the property to such an extent that you can't sell it. So the Gemara says... No, for Rav Yosef, so Rav Yosef found the Brisa. The Brisa was that if a brother, if the Yavam owed the deceased brother money, he lent him money, then the brother dies. So when he does Yibam, you might think that he doesn't have to pay because he's he's taking over the estate. Kamashal, no, he has to pay money. He has to take the money that he owes the brother who passed away and buy land with it. So what do you see? Why can't he just keep it? Because that money is has a lien on the property for her ksuba, so he has to pay. So the Gemara says, you see from here that the lien is so strong that the lien uh, affects all the money that uh, even to the extent that he has to pay back the loan, that he can't sell it. The Gemara then said, Nachman said that Brisa that you're quoting is not an accurate Brisa. Again, the Brisa is saying is that if two brothers, Reuven owes Shimon money, and then Shimon dies, and then Reuven does Yibum, he still has to take money out that he owes, and he has to pay back the loan to the estate. So you'll say, why? Because the money has a lien, all the money is owed to the wife, and there's a lien on the property, so he has to pay it back. But says Rav Nachman, that price is not accurate. So why isn't it accurate? So my time well, reason number one is the reason why he has to pay back the loan, right, he has to pay back the loan is because she's... Right, like you could ask yourself, why does he have to pay back the loan? The brother died. The answer is because there's a lien on the money for her ksuba, so she's owed money because of the ksuba. The halacha is though that according to most tanoim, there's no lien on movables. This is money, which is movable. There's only lien on property, not movables. So maybe that's the problem with the Bryce. The Bryce is under the assumption that there's a lien on the money, but the money's movable. So the Gemara said, but that's not a problem. Dilmer of Mayer, he perhaps follows the view of Rav Meir. Rav Meir's viewpoint is that movables are pledged towards the Ksuba. There's a lien on movables as well. So perhaps that Bryce follows Rav Meir. So what's the problem with the Bryce? So the says, well, okay. Mishum da Amrla, at lav balas didiat. Perhaps the problem with the Brisa is, why can't he tell the wife, what do you have to do with this? Meaning, he has to pay back the loan. Why? The brother died. So you'll say, well, because the money is owed to the woman. But, so meaning, in essence, he's paying back the woman money that he owed his brother. Maybe the problem with the Brisa is, why can't he tell the wife, the Yuvama, I don't know what you, I don't owe you any money. I owe my brother. Now, he's dead. So, no one could collect. She's going to say, yeah, but Mike Suba, he said, but what do you have to do with this? I owe him money, not you. Maybe that's the problem with the Brysa. Go to the next page. The problem is, Dilma Rav Nosen, he perhaps this Brysa follows the view of Rav Nosen, the Tanya, Rav Nosen, So Rav Nosen says like this, if I owe, if A owes B money and B owes C money, then A owes C. 
that's Rav Nassim Shita. It's the transitive property for loans. So if you have Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi, Ruvain owes Shimon money, and Shimon owes Levi money, then Ruvain owes Levi money, and Levi can collect from Ruvain directly without having to go through Shimon. So perhaps over here, the reason why the Brisa makes sense, and there's no flaw with the Brisa, is because we said, why is the woman, why does he have to pay back the estate? Because the, because the woman's ksuba. But he, he said, that's a little strange, because why can't he say to the woman, I don't know what you're talking about. I owe my brother money, not you. The answer is, the reason why it's not a flaw, the Brisa makes sense, is because he owes the brother. The brother owed her. So the transitive property says that he owes her. So perhaps the reason why she could collect directly from him is because the sheet of Rav Nassan. So therefore, what's the problem with the Brisa? It can't be because there's a lien on movables, because that follows Rameir. And it can't be because the woman's able to collect, even though she wasn't the one directly owed, because that follows Rav Nosen. So what's the problem? So the Gemara says, The answer is, It's unlikely that this Brisa is accurate. Why? Because it has one chumra, which is it's following Rameir, right? We said movables, uh, lean on movables, eh, follows Rameir. Then also the fact that he owes her money, that's Rav Nassin. What's the likelihood that both of those things are correct? Meaning, it's one thing for the Brysa to have one stringency, but for the Brysa to have two stringencies is strange. So, the Gemara says, Amarava Imkain. Rabbi says, now you explained why Abaya used to say this Bryce is flawed, but I never understood why. Now that's why, because it's unlikely that the Brysa would be combining two Chumras, the Chumra of Rav Nassan and the Chumra of Meir. Okay, so we had that story. So the Gemara says there was a similar story. In the city of Masimachasia, it's a similar story to what we just had with Pumbadisa, but now in Masimachasia, a woman fell to Yibam. So the younger brother tried to give her a get to uh, stop her from doing Yibam. So Amr so the older brother said to the younger brother, why are you doing this? If you want property, I'll split it with you. Now, in Pumbadisa, we just had a whole machlekes between Rav Yosef and Abaya, whether it's valid. Now, apparently what had happened was that regardless of the fact that Rav Yosef was against it, the brother in the story of Pumbadisa, he actually reneged. He said that he would split it with the younger brother, but he never actually did. So the younger brother in this case said, I'm afraid that you'll cheat me out like that brother from Pumbadisa, meaning I- I- I'm afraid that you'll just say you're going to split it with me like that brother did, but not actually do it. So Amar he says, oh, So let's make a Kenyan now that will be Chal later on. Meaning, I can't give you the property now because I didn't do Yibam. So let me make a Kenyan now that'll, res- that'll require me to give it to you half after Yibam. Now, Amar Ravashi, now, the question is, is that valid? We've had a machlekes tune of Yosef and Abaya whether the brother can sell half of the nechassim to the younger brother. So now the Gemara is saying, perhaps the reason why it didn't work was because um, they tried to make the Kenyan before they did Yibam. So over here, I'm making the Kenyan that'll be chal after Yibam. Maybe that'll make it better. So the Gemara says, Amar Bravashi, Afa Gavdichiyasar of Dimyom Rav Yechonon. Oimer lechaver lechum sheikh parazu vloitia knulach elachashoshim yoim. Lachashoshim koinaf viloim medis vagam. The halacha is that I could say to a person, Take this cow and it'll become yours in 30 days. The halacha is that it works. So to over here, why can't I say, The brother, older brother can say to the younger brother, Do a Kenyan now, and when I do Yibam, it'll work. The Gemara says, No good. 
The reason is because over there you could sell the cow. Over here, the older brother does not have the ability to sell, regardless of whether it's before Yibam, after Yibam. So even if you say it'll be Chal after I do Yibam, it's not effective. The older brother does not have the right to sell the brother's estate. Therefore, even if you do it now for later, it doesn't matter. It's not in his ability. Meaning, um, Especially with the fact that Rav Yosef was against it, meaning even if the Gemara was assuming that Rav Yosef was against the older brother selling the estate, Dafka, the older brother selling the estate, it's only a problem if they did it before Yibam. The problem is, even if you want it to be Chal later, if you can't sell it now, then you can't do a Kenyan for it to be Chal later. It's not effective. Okay, so you see that it's not valid. So the Gemara says, just before we conclude this story, we said that when it comes to a cow, if you uh, if a person says make a kinyan on this cow now and it'll be chal in thirty days, the halach is that it's valid. The problem is hakiyaser of dimi arviyechan loikani. I thought arviyechan said it's not valid. Just I'm a question whether you could do that. Make a kinyan now that'll be chal for after thirty days. So one opinion says yes, one opinion says no. They're both quoting arviyechan. So what's the answer? The answer is it depends if you want it to be acquired retroactively from now. Meaning, if I make a Kenyan on the 1st of July to be Chal at the end of July, that's no good. Because there's too much of a gap between the action and the, transa- and the transaction. But if I say, I want to make a Kenyan now, that in 30 days it'll be Chal retroactively from now, then it works. Because at least you're basically saying retroactively the Kenyan is Chal from this moment. They asked Ula, If you performed Yibam, and then the older brother wants to split up the estate with the younger brother after Yibam. What is it valid? No, no good. There's a megaline on the property and he's not able to split up the estate. Even after Yibam, even after he acquires her as a wife, he's not able to split up the estate. Then they asked him, What if he wants to distribute the estate before he does Yibam? So no good. Now the, the problem is the second case is pretty obvious. If after doing Yibam, when he's fully acquired her, he still cannot split up the estate. He definitely cannot split up the estate before he does Yibam. So why do you have to tell me that? The answer is The answer is he wasn't trying to teach you chedushim. There were two different stories that happened. One was where a brother tried to split up the estate before Yibam. One was where he tried to split up the estate after Yibam, and both are not effective. So the reason why Rav Yos, uh, Ula had to speak out they're not effective was not Chidushim. He was paskening Shilas in both cases. He concluded that whenever the older brother tries to split up the estate, whether it's before or after, it is not effective. And the halacha is that the older brother cannot split up the estate with any of the other brothers because there's a lien on the property. Back to the mission. The mission said, that if the brother, after doing Yibam, he acquires from the brother's estate, again, every there's a lien on all the property, but the Mishnah said, produce that's attached to the ground is considered the Yavams, there's no lien. So the question is, why? Amai. Why? That was property that was owned by the original brother, why is there no lien on it? There should be a lien on it. So the answer is, you're right, there is a lien, and you should change the gear so instead of saying that it belongs to the brother, you should say that it belongs to the Yavama, meaning there's a lien on the property, so if the brother that passed away left in his estate, he left um, uh, trees with fruit on it, the halacha is that the trees and the fruit 
are both, um, are, there's a lien on the property set aside for the woman, and the Yavam, after doing Yivam, cannot sell it because of the Megalim that's on the property. The halacha is that if uh, after doing Yivam, he is considered fully married. So the Gemara says, So what does it mean that the Yavam is fully married regarding what halacha? Of course, after you do even you're married. That's that's the basic concept of Yibam. So what halacha are you trying to add? That So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says like this. It's actually a sugi we had in Um The Gemara says like this. It means that if after doing Yibam, he wants to dissolve the marriage, he has to give her a get. Meaning that a get works, and that you don't have to do chalitza. Meaning chalitza is only needed before yibum instead of yibum. But if you end up doing yibum, then if you want to divorce her, you just give her a get. You don't have to do chalitza. And the Gemara is going to explain the chiddush. And the other halacha is a machzira is that after you divorce a yivama, you could remarry her if you choose to. So those are the two chiddushim. So the Gemara says, let's analyze each one. Megar get pshita. The first halacha is that you're allowed to divorce a yivama with a get. So yeah, Pashit, how else are you going to divorce her? You have to do a get. So the Gemara says, you might think you might think that because the Pasuk describes after Yibam it calls her Yivama, which means perhaps she has a special status. Meaning, in other words, that you might think that a woman who did Yibam, she has a new halacha, that for to dissolve that marriage you need chalitza. Get is not strong enough to dissolve that relationship. So you might think, you might think that she needs chalitza kamashmala. No. You can divorce her with a get. And the second halacha is machzira. You could take her back with, uh, you could remarry her. Shrita, posh, go to the next page. You might think that because you did yibam. You have to remember, a woman who did yibam is your sister-in-law. So you might think that if you divorce her, she becomes an eshesach and you're not allowed to remarry her. Meaning, you might think that you're only allowed to marry her mitzvah. but once you divorce her, then she just reverts back to your sister-in-law. No, you're allowed to to remarry her. So the Gemara says that's a good question. Why Taka are you allowed to round two? Why Taka are you allowed to to <laughs> Yeah. Why Taka it's alright. Uh, the people doing uh, doing the, the, the daf are used to chaos in the background. So the Gemara wants to know how do you know? Meaning we're saying right now that if you divorce a Yavama, you could remarry her. So why, uh, the question is, why are you allowed to? Maybe once you do Yibam and then divorce her, she reverts back to your sister-in-law and it's Aser. The Amr Krav, the Pasuk describes Yibam as you took her for a wife, which means that once you marry her, once you do Yibam, she's a regular wife and all the halachas of regular marriage and remarriage kick, kick in. Okay. Then the Mishnah said, the only exception is that when you marry a Yivama, the ksuva payments are come from the brother's estate, not the yavam's estate. So the Gemara says, my time, what's the reason? Why doesn't the yavam have to pay the ksuba? Because he had no choice. Meaning, why should he have to pay the ksuba? The, 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 he had no choice but to marry her. He was forced to marry her. Be less than but says the Gemara, although the ksuba payment comes from the first estate, if the first estate, if the Gemara says, if the first husband has no money, so then the second, the Yavam has to set aside money for the Ksuba. Why? It's a Takonis Chazal. We don't want it to be easy to divorce. I mean, a woman has to have a Ksuba. So if there's no money from the first estate, then at least we'll have to give it from the second estate. Okay. So the Mishnah then said that you cannot tell a Yavama, you can't tell a woman after you did Yibam, 
I want to be able to sell the estate and let me just set aside money for the ksuba no good. As we said, the reason is because it's uh, there's a lien on the property to such an extent because she's going to feel like you're trying to get rid of her. Then the Mishnah said the same halacha applies to a, a regular woman. That a regular woman, there's a lien on all the property and you can't just say, uh, and you can't, it's like a circus. How many, how many is it? Yeah. Thank God. So then the Gemara says that, listen, as long as there's no crazy guys yelling at me from next door to shul, I'll take egg rolls. So the okay, quiet, you. Shh. So the Gemara says that. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anymore. Oh, so the Gemara says that. Uh, the same way a regular wife, that there's a lien on all the property when a husband gets married to the wife, there's a lien on all the property set aside for the ksuba. That means that when, when they get divorced or he dies, she could collect the ksuba and undo any sales of the properties. And we don't say that he could tell her, listen, I'm setting aside money for the ksuba and I want a, no lien on the rest of the property. It doesn't work. So the Gemara wants to know, what do you add by the chain? What, what, is, what is added by that halacha? So the Gemara says, the same, uh, meaning, why would I think it's any different? If there's a lien on the property by a Yavama, why wouldn't there be a lien on the property by the Ksuba? Meaning, if, I, if by the Yavama, I can't just set aside money for the Ksuba payment, why would I think I could by a regular woman? So the Gemara, I'll tell you it outside, then we'll see it inside. The Gemara says like this, the reason why you can't just set aside money for the Yavama, like, why can't you do that? Why can't you just say, listen, here's the money for your Ksuba payment, the rest, I want no lien on the property. So we said it's because of Ava, which means that we're afraid that she's going to think that you're trying to divorce her. She's not going to feel confident in the marriage because she's going to say, oh, this is it set aside already and it's 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 fafalin. So it's called Eva. So the Gemara says, you might think that that only applies to Yavama, but it's a woman that he chose to marry, she'll feel more confident that he's able to set aside money for it. So you might think that he should be allowed to because the whole concern is that she's not going to feel comfortable in the marriage. She's going to think that they're already one. the marriage is already one step from being dissolved. So you might think that that doesn't apply to the average woman where he chose to marry. Kamashal and no, Chazal were against the premise of it. The Gemara says, When it comes to Yavama, where he didn't write the Ksuba, he didn't choose her, so you might think that's why she doesn't feel comfortable. That's why he can't set aside property. But the average woman where they, they they wrote a ksuba together, so you might think that she feels more comfortable, so he could he could set aside money for her. Kamash will know it's uh, he can't do it either way. Then the Mishnah said, Girsha ksuba. Once you divorce the Yavama, then she's only entitled to her ksuba, and the rest of the estate, uh, the lien is removed, and the brother now owns the entire brother's estate. So the Gemara says, Girsha in la He only has rights to sell the estate after divorce, but not before divorce. Kamash Malan of Abba, and this is backing up the ruling of Rav Abba that not only is there a lien on the property to stop from the sale, if he tries to sell it, it is not effective. Um, and this also backs up Ravava that the only way you could sell it is through divorce but there's no, there's no other way to sell the estate it, it, it doesn't work then the Mishnah ended off by saying that if you remarry her, she's like any other woman, and you only have one ksuba. What does that mean? So the Gemara is going to explain what this means is that when you remarry a Yavama, she only gets the ksuba from the original husband's estate, meaning it goes back to the matzah of the way it was, that she gets a ksuba from the original brother's estate. She doesn't get two ksubas. She doesn't get a ksuba from the first and from the second. So the Gemara says, What's the Chiddush? Tanina, the Bryce says, We know that when you remarry a woman, she only gets one ksuba, so why would this be different? So the Gemara says, 
You might think that because by the average person where he wrote one ksuva, so when he divorces or he marries her, she gets one ksuva. But over here, where he's she's getting from the original estate, you might think that when you divorce her and remarry her, she should now get two ksuvas. Kamash no. Even in this case, she only gets the secure, the secure ksuva only comes from the original brother's estate. Omer of Yehuda. Originally, the Gemara is explaining how the lien on a property when it came to Aksuba evolved. So originally, when a woman got married, she got Aksuba. That's it. But there was no lien on the property. The problem is people were not interested in getting married because the women didn't want to marry the men because they knew that if there's no lien on the property, then if they get divorced or dies and there's no money left, she has she's she's she has, the whole point of a lien on the property is that that if there's if they if he sells everything, she could undo the sales to take what's owed. Before that happened, before the lien on the property, people didn't want to get married because they said to themselves, "Why should I marry him if when we get divorced or if he dies before I do, which is usually the case, men usually die before the woman, then I'm not going to be able to have any money because if there's no lien on the property, then I can only get paid if there's liquid cash, and if there's no liquid cash, I'm, I'm out of luck, so no one's getting married. That there's a lien on the property. So that if there are no movables, she could collect from the land that was sold. The Brisa similarly states, Originally there was just a ksuva payment without having any lien on the property. Without having any possessions as security, without having lien. But people were not getting married. So they decided before the lien happened, the next step was that you had to deposit money, you had to put aside cash for the ksuva. The problem with that is, the problem is when they were having fights, he would just say, take your ksuba. It's not good to have the cash readily available, because that that's, it's uh, take your money and go. So the next step was, they said, you have to leave the deposit by the husband's house. Meaning, um, meaning, yeah, so you have to leave it Wealthy woman would have the deposit out of baskets of gold and silver. The poor people, it would be like out of abitur uh, glaim uh, is like um, urinals and that type of thing. But that was it was set aside. Now, yeah, um, meaning originally that again. Let's just review the evolution. Originally, it was just cash. Then they made that you have to set up the deposit by her father's house. The problem was, he would just tell her, go back to your father's house, and the money's already there. So then they decide, okay, make it a little harder. The money has to be by his house, and he has to get it and give it to her, which is more of an action, which would prevent it. But obviously, you can imagine what happened. They still, they were fighting. He would say, Take, here's your money, and he would give it to her and say, get out. Until Shimon Shetach instituted... All of my possessions are pledged to Hiksuba. So um until Shimon Shetach had to create a lien on the property. I will stop here. Wishing everyone Xivasimataiva. Pick it up right after Rosh Hashanah.